With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There's good birthday surprises, like when your friends throw you a party. And bad ones, like realizing you're so old, you can't blow out all your candles in one go. At Phonewatch, we're celebrating 30 years of protecting Irish homes. And we've got a birthday surprise for you. For a very limited time, get a phone watch alarm installed for only 30 euro. Yes, just 30 euro. Offer ends November 30th, so order right away at phonewatch.ie. Monitoring fees apply. Welcome, one and all, everybody and all you lovely people to the Blood and Mud podcast. The podcast that is struggling to get up that early of a weekend, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of getting there within the first 10 or 15 minutes, but it's... I'm not as pepped as I was, that's what I'm <laughs> no. going to say. The excitement is... <laughs> that's how long it took the novelty to wear off. The novelty of rugby has worn off this rugby podcast. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I am Lee, and over there is... In between the weekend action, Josh, uh, what did you did you get up to? Anything? Any other weekend action, as it were? Uh, no, not really. It was very like the weather was fucking shit, wasn't it? So it kind of limits your ability to do outside things, which is the only things that anyone's allowed to do at the moment. But uh, yeah, I had a I had a Nando's tonight. That was quite exciting. Would you click and collect or delivery? I cl- I did click and collect it. Yeah, and I mean it was very nice. But I do think I've probably got something now because none of the staff were wearing gloves or masks in there. And I know they're not legally expected to, but it did kind of make me go, not sure about this. My local Facebook group's been mask-shaming people. (laughs) There's always a couple of people come on with ranting about a lack of masks. Then you point out that there's no compulsory requirement to do it as long as you can you know, stay distance as best you can. They don't like that. No. So I've stayed well out of it. It's the thing, I don't want to mask shame anybody, but it did, uh, from a personal thing, it did just make me go, oh, you're just, you know, sitting there coughing all over your chicken. 
you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, pretty took a bit of the edge off it. Although I will say the Halloumi sticks were, you know, magnificent. Everything that you remembered are. them to be. Ever, absolutely worth the three and a half month wait. It's wonderful stuff. What did you get up to this weekend? I I went out Saturday night. I went, well, I went Fucking to somebody's hell. house. I'm not sure we were supposed to do that, yeah. but I did. But we did have the big bifold doors open for air circulation and tried to, you know, socially distance as best we can. But that was nice, actually going to a kind of dinner thing with a couple of That's people. Kind of it's on borderline normal, isn't it? It is you normal. Know? And then I got up Sunday morning too early, watched the rugby, and then um, and I didn't see all of it, but I, I live... And then I watched that 30 for 30 Lance Armstrong, latest Lance Armstrong documentary. I watched that, weirdly, coincidentally, last week as well. And I'll tell you what, 30 seconds in, he marks himself out as a cunt. <laughs> and then... Giving any doubts, yes. For the next three and a half hours, or however long that two-part documentary is, he just absolutely rams it home that he remains an absolute fucking C-bomb. The um, good dressing though. What's interesting about it is, is watching a, a sociopath try to describe things. It's very it's a wonderful funny. three and a half hours it's, of just a sociopath explaining yeah. himself. Really, how it's just a th- a, basically a three and a half hour like attempt at somebody going, "What would a human do now?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not a person who has a conscience say at this point. Because yeah, um, my, my reaction is just to destroy everyone that gets anywhere near no. me with absolute prejudice. But... I went through a period of reading shitloads of cycling books. Mm. Um, so I've read, I've read, I've I read his original book. I've read all of David Walsh's books. I've read the Tyler Hamilton book. I've read, um, I've read like older stuff, like Slaying the Badgers. Fucking brilliant book, by the way. If you haven't read Slaying the Badger about the 87 tour, is it? The one mm. when Greg LeMond and Bernardino were on the same team. And Bernardino uh, said to LeMond, it's your turn to win this year. Then fucked with him the whole race. <laughs> so, which is classic <laughs> Bernardino. But uh, that's definitely worth reading if you haven't done it already. But anyway, um, the F- Floyd Landis thing. Well, the most interesting thing about the documentary is that Floyd Landis is the one who blew the top of all of this in 2006 yeah. when they wouldn't have him back on the team when oh. Armstrong came back after retiring. And then so just basically told everybody everything and that just blew the lid off everything, basically. Yeah. And what was interesting was they said to... At one point, he said to Lance Armstrong, would you, do you wish you'd done this? He said, no, I wouldn't change anything. It's brought me to where I am today. I wouldn't change anything. Mm. And then there's a point where they say, have you got a relationship with Floyd Landis? And he says, no, because I could never forgive him for what he's done. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, one of these things. You couldn't change anything. So he told the truth and brought you to where you are today and you wouldn't change a thing, but you can never forgive him for what he's done. You've given (laughs) yourself away there, I think, Lance. Yeah, he basically does, I mean... At no point do I feel like there's any remorse going on whatsoever. The only remorse he feels is the remorse for losing millions upon millions of dollars. Yeah, uh, and having to move to Aspen where there's too much snow. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did, I, I did some sort of a roundabout reading, and what I didn't realise was the large part of the reason why he isn't fucking destitute is that he made a very savvy something like $10,000 initial investment in uber when it was very 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 new and that is now worth about 30 million dollars which he then cashed uh and that's a big part of and he's still got that gigantic 
brand anyway. I mean, I've got I have some sympathy for him when he talks about how some people are still part of cycling and some people aren't. I um, mean, because Richard Varenke, yeah. he doesn't mention Richard Varenke, but Richard Varenke was a court cheat, and he's still the face of of Festina watches. And he's still a Tour de France facing. <laughs> so I can see what he's saying. That why do some people get yeah, to do that? Yeah, I agree with that. And, I, and, I, yeah. and, and some people, and like Pantani being sidelined was was awful and stuff like that. However, I, he can't seem to accept that he was different to everybody because he yeah. was the entire system. He he was the yeah. one who, he decided who was in and who was out and stuff. And also nobody really, you know, the way that he went after people that were, that exactly, tried yeah. to rumble him was so unbelievable. Destroyed unsure. people's careers and reputations. Yeah. That's why you're different and to life. a bloke who just cheated on the quiet. Yeah. <laughs> when you read yeah. the books, it's though, different. it's really interesting because they were basically like junkies. It's amazing. They were literally mm. meeting people in the round the back of dodgy buildings to collect things in brown paper bags and stuff. It is like literally being a junkie. It is like being a drug addict. You know, it's mad. It's interesting, and it's just the lengths that he went to to perpetuate. I think the other reason is the length he went to to perpetuate his own myth and his own sort of non-drug. Because I remember in my, chatting with my, I weirdly remember. I've never actually read. It's not about the bike, but I remember standing on a tube train in about two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight with my mate Hugh and we were going off to some house party or something and he was just like oh I just feel and finished reading that last Armstrong book and I was like because this was about the time when everybody was starting to go yeah actually and I was like so what do you think then and he was like well either he's an incredible liar or every, like everything in, either everything in that book is true and it's the most remarkable story I've ever heard or he's one of the greatest liars that the world has ever known and I was like okay <laughs> well that's one or the other then and it turns out yeah the sad just, thing about uh, him, I find, is I it, I don't think he could see that had he come back from cancer and become a professional cyclist again and won the odd stage and won the odd one-day event, which he was doing previously, that would mm. have been a brilliant story anyway. But that could never yeah, have happened, still, could it? Because he's just, a, well, he's a sociopath. So Yeah, and also he just could never have, you know, okay, he might not have made as much money, and he might not, you know, the whole live strong thing might not have become as big a deal as it was. And he might not have been able to do as much good, but he also would have done a lot less harm. And that's not the way how good bad works either, is it? No, it's, it's really not. not. You know, really, it's honestly, not it's, not, it's not a kind of weighing mechanism. It's no, just, it's just really supposed to do good eight. things. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that was, it's really yeah. worth a watch. Because if nothing, he, is fa- he remains been... a fascinating character. I've been absolutely binging fuck out of all the 30 for 30 docs at the moment. I don't know why. I watched um, Best of Enemies, which is the three-part, six-hour story of the history of the rivalry between the Boston Celtics and the LA Lakers. And it is unbelievably good because (laughs) there's, there's all sorts of shit going on there. There's racism. There's kind of, you know, it's it's... The whole like thing about that rivalry in the seventies and the eighties is so fascinating and how it basically made a basketball what it is today is fascinating. I'd heartily recommend it. Six hours of your time, admittedly, but fucking hell, it's good. Larry Bird is top of my like all time greatest sports person that looks nothing like a sports person. 
How could he? How can? How literally? How can somebody that looks like that be an elite? Be that and not just an elite level good. athlete, like one an all-time one of the greatest yeah. ever. He's unbelievable. It's yeah, and yet he did it all with that horrendous blonde 1980s pencil tash that yeah. honestly looks like a mistake. And looked like he was about to fall over and wasn't moving very oh, quickly or anything. It's yeah. incredible. It's, and that's the thing is the contrast between fucking Larry and the Celtics over there and Larry looking like the least marketable <laughs> man that's ever lived. And on the other side, you've got fucking Magic Johnson who might were, you know, certainly until Jordan and LeBron came along, probably the most marketable fucking athlete you could possibly imagine. Just such a contrast. So fucking interesting. In anyway. Less, in, in lesser, you know, nice stuff, I also watched Athlete A about US Gymnastics. I haven't watched that yet. It's a tough but watch, it but it, you should. Everybody horrendous. should watch it. Yes, it's pretty grim. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us and tell us to stop which talking sport, about non-rugby documentaries, documentaries that you're watching, or then. tell us which you are watching, or tell us never to speak of documentaries again, <laughs> then uh, I'm at Blood and Mud or Lee at Blood and Mud dot com, and you, Josh, is uh, at Josh Gardner. That's it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're on Acast, we're on Apple, we're on Patreon.com slash Blood and Lord, which we, where people give their <laughs> help to us. Help. Help us. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but you can play your $2 and get all your additional stuff, and there's loads of stuff back in the archive there, or you just give $2 to support us, and we thank you very much for that. Or you can do the $5, which now gives you the chance to have your name interpreted as what we think kind of rugby player you might be. And obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not being funny, but you, you're mad for this, you guys. So we've got quite a few this week as well. So we'll, we'll get through these now. So in the VIP lounge, we've got Jason Phipps. I'll go first on this. I can't help Hit but me. saying Jason Phipps as Jason Phipps. It, <laughs> um, is an Australian project manager who's overworking in the city, plays open side of the weekend, and is a bugger for the bugle. See, I thought... Jason Phipps uh, had 37 caps for the USA outside centre between 1992 and 2007. Um, he scored four, uh, four tries in that time. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, <laughs> next, you first on this one, Reese John Jones. Thank you very much, uh, no, by I, the way, Reese. But go. Reese John Jones. Uh, he's a Welsh qualified Australian winger who flirted briefly with a Welsh call up in the Steve Hansen era. <laughs> But ultimately, he didn't fancy moving up north. Uh, he played 58 times for Queensland before jumping over to the NRL, where he was lotted to Kiwi's replacement for the uh, Brisbane Broncos. So, I've said that Reese John Jones is the Jason Jones Hughes that Graham Henry wasn't interested in. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Uh, next one, me first, Oscar Turner. I've got, hello, Oscar. Thank you very much. I visualise Oscar Turner, that name, as. The mm-hmm. most physically weak second-row player the pre- professional game has ever known. Sports scientists to this day have no real conclusion regarding how he didn't snap in two in most matches that he played. See, mine can be more different oh, because, okay. for me, Oscar T- Turner is a Canadian hooker with less teeth than he's got fingers. <laughs> That's better. Uh, that is better. He made yeah. his name as a borderline psychopath in, in the French leagues in the late 90s before rocking up at Bedford in the first half of the 2000s where he played until he retired at the ripe old age of 41 in 2008. Canadians always play to the 41, don't they? There's something yeah, they about do. the Canadian. Is, is it lack of choice or something? I don't know. I think it Next up, you're first on this one. We've got David. Well, is it David Quarrel or David Quarrel? 
I, I had him as David Quarrell. Uh, he played four seasons at outside half for the Cats in South Africa between 1999 and 2003. Um, a metronomic goal kicker, but he had the pace of an oil tanker, and so he never really caught on at any higher level. Um, he's still somehow playing in Japan today. I've got David Quarrell, or Quarrell, as a legendary fullback for the West Midlands when they were a thing. He played in a team that went ahead versus the All Blacks in 1982. The game was eventually lost 64-4, but they can't take that <laughs> that period, that little period of time away from David. Uh, next up, we've got. Uh, am I first on this one? I am. Yeah. We've next up, we've got Callum Forsyth. Thank you, Callum. Mm. Uh, or to give him his full title, Sir Callum Forsyth, KBA, DFC, and Bar. Um, Gallus Shields legend who piloted a bomber command Avro Lancaster plane that statistically dropped the most bombs on Germany. So obsessed was he with his job in bomber command that he insisted always that his plane did a final run so that the crew could throw loose bits of metal out of the windows to make sure at the end. After the war, he worked as a barrister and in his spare time had many, many nightmares about what he did. <laughs> uh, for me, Callum Forsyth was a back rower who played for Otago 57 times in the 1970s. Um, his playing career was unceremoniously ended, however, when it transpired that he'd taken payment beyond expenses to turn out for a touch rugby game, raising money for a local children's hospital and thus losing his amateur eligibility. He's still bitter about it to this day. Because everyone knows that that is worse than going on a tour of South Africa <laughs> and getting paid for it. Next up, we've got your first in this one, Joe Brecher. Uh Yeah, a combative. Uh, you can see what we've, we're going to talk about later in that I said that he's a combative and fleet-footed scrum off for Surrey in the 1970s. Um, <laughs> lost, his, lost his head in the semi-final and chinned his opposite number, uh, getting sent off and then missing the county championship final, which Surrey, of course, won in 1973. Well, good bit of trivia associated with that. Um, I've got, I weirdly, I've got... I might have got that year wrong. We- weirdly, I've, I've got, got, the, got to write it down. <laughs> I've got Joe Brecher as a scrum half also. Yeah, but he's uh, he was a scrum half who attended a summer coaching school with Ben Youngs as a junior, and now insists <laughs> that his pass is not too slow, despite what everybody says. I'm gonna. I'm just trying to look up when Surrey actually won the county championship. There was an extra name, Josh. That I forgot to send to you, so I'll do this one. Oh, and that, that is Jack. That is Jack Hurst, who I, I we missed him upping his contribution some weeks ago. So apologies, Jack. Jack, I've got Jack. He was a sale hooker who somehow was even smaller than Andy Titterell. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. So there you go. Thank you, everybody, for your VIP contributions. I did notice, we've had an email before we came online, a patron has actually emailed us having a go at converting our names into rugby players. So I will read that out next week. I've not had time to uh, pull it through for today. Um, other than that, if you want a bit of that and a bit of daftness like that, uh, then please do the $5. Of course, this could backfire because there'd be loads of people thinking, well, I was going to do the $5, but this feature is so shit, I don't want to encourage the pair of you. But this is where we are now. So, <laughs> Do you remember when we went through that period of like having who's in the clubhouse this week? Somebody did then... say they loved the fact that we brought that back by stealth. The... <laughs> I was going to say we brought it back <laughs> in a very underhand way. Uh... A sort of Trojan horse. <laughs> We begin uh, as anyway. we always begin, <laughs> 17 minutes in with the player spotting everybody. Um, Dave Station UK DMs. Now, I like this because nice. this is so random and, and probably not even a player spotted, but I couldn't, I couldn't resist it. 
I'm here for he it. He says, I've got a player spotted for you, sort of, because it's with a bit of a twist. He says, since the beginning of April, to entertain myself during lockdown, I've been selecting a tune each day and posting it in my Instagram stories. Fair enough, David, no problem with that. He says, stick with me. He said, a couple of weeks into this, I noticed that on the short, very short list of people who were viewing my daily posts was none other than mid-2000s French flanker Fulgence Ouadrago. He doesn't. No, yeah, no, he doesn't follow me. I didn't follow him, but apropos of nothing, there he is checking out tune of the day. He said, "Is that mundane enough?" It's not mundane enough because that's possibly the most interesting thing anybody's ever said or submitted on this oh, podcast. Fascinated. Phil Fulgence Ouadrago, as a Drago, yeah. as um, Eddie would say. He said, and also Dave says, also it's DTC underscore seven on Instagram if you fancy joining in with Fulgence, having a look at the tunes of the day. <laughs> I've not looked, not? David, but it better not be shit. I mean, it's good. I mean, clearly, he's uh, it's, it's good enough for Fulgence. <laughs> I wonder is he still how playing. Uh, he is. I think he's he's yeah, he's the current captain of Montpellier. How old is he now? 33. I was, gonna, I was just about to say 32. One year mm-hmm. out, as Ken Bruce would right. say on Popmaster. Um, yeah, so he's not, well, he is mid 2000s, but he's still going. Yeah, I'm one of those players that you think has never really had a shot at uh, international rugby, despite being very good. And yet you'd be surprised how many caps he's got. <laughs> oh, here's, that's a good one. 41. 39. Ooh. But that's 39, and he started playing for France in 2008. So he, he kind of he occasionally gets a run out, but he never gets a run. How many really. of them are sub? That's interesting as well. Mm-hmm. At least half is my guess. I would imagine so too. Right, that was the player anyway, spotted. If you have yes. a player spotted, you can send it lee at bloodandwood.com or in the DMs or through the Patreon messaging service, should you wish to do that they as well. Would- and they really should be much more mundane than that. that yeah, that's interesting and weird and, and yeah. involves the internet and everything. I promise I'll select a more mundane one next week and please keep sending mundane ones in. Mm-hmm. Although I do like the idea of there being a separate sort of rubric for people who <laughs> randomly had engagements online. I don't mean on Twitter. I mean something like this. Like you suddenly found that, yeah... <laughs> So you're saying not like I think that if you're a girl bit. and you're you're showing putting pictures of yourself going out, you're bound to get loads of famous rugby players probably ogling on you, aren't you? But that is True. well random. There's good birthday surprises, like when your friends throw you a party. And bad ones, like realizing you're so old you can't blow out all your candles in one go. At Phonewatch, we're celebrating 30 years of protecting Irish homes. And we've got a birthday surprise for you. For a very limited time, get a phone watch alarm installed for only €30. Yes, just €30. Offer ends November 30th, so order right away at phonewatch.ie. Monitoring fees apply. Pick up your phone while driving, and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit, and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car, and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself... Is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. 
We start, well, we move on with the news, shall we, Josh? Yes, let's do some news. Um, Gloucester have, and as we briefly spoke about last week, Gloucester have unveiled uh, George Skivington as their new head coach, uh, and in doing so have made London Irish very upset. Um, I'm on nobody's side with all this. So George Skivington is forwards, was, is forwards coach at London Irish. Yep. He's now been appointed head coach at Gloucester. Yes. London Irish are apparently very angry with Gloucester for apparently not following some sort of uh, code of practice uh, in regards to how they approached him for the vacancy. Um, Gloucester's response (laughs) was he applied for a job. He didn't Gloucester say, we advertised a job and he applied for it. And I, don't, for I don't know what else I can tell you. <laughs> Basically, I don't care who's in the right and in the wrong of all this. I'm just I'm just here for the chaos, to be honest. I just... I'm here for Gloucester going off the rails even more. <laughs> I mean, it's just... He was I... the outstanding candidate for the job, according to Gloucester, and definitely, definitely wasn't appointed because he's quite happy to be paid 26 grand a year. <laughs> Yeah, to turn up for literally probably less than a third of what the guy who's just <laughs> fucked off to Japan was earning. But uh, yeah, so, I mean, Gloucester fans, how are you feeling about that? You know, obviously, Danny Cipriani's very excited about it to the point where... Johnny he's May's so-, so excited, he's decided to add another five years to his contract this week, <laughs> even though he just signed one. That was the most bizarre thing ever. Well, I mean, we all know that that was a salary cap thing right oh, of course <laughs> yeah. discussed last week um but yeah danny cipriani saying you know basically getting very very excited that he said he's the most forward this is the most exciting announcement of a hedge coach i've seen in rugby forward thinking the type of man you can build a club around very grateful i get to play out my last years under him it's a bit strong it's isn't it it's a lot it's a fucking lot. Do you think Danny's getting mixed up with forward thinking that he played in the forwards? And that's where he's getting I mean, getting he did confused. Spell, I, don't, I didn't want to be that guy, but he did spell forward wrong. He spelt it like forward as in the start, the bit that you have before the start of the novel. <laughs> Which, <laughs> been reading a lot of books. Although I do think that appointing a coach because he's brilliant at writing forwards would be, would be a fantastic <laughs> appointment, actually. So, yeah. speaking it's, of coaching, so yeah. speaking of coaching appointments, Josh. Speaking of coaching appointments, mm. Brock James is the new attacking coach for Thospreys, is he not? Yeah, man. Yeah, gloves all round. I was going to say day one, you get gloves, you get gloves, <laughs> you get gloves. <laughs> what attacking pattern? Never mind patterns. Where's the gloves? We're going to full glove the back line like it's two thousand and ten. <laughs> Where do we get these gloves from? They don't even stock them anymore. <laughs> do you don't you worry about that, lads. I've got an entire garage full. <laughs> I'm now the number one importer for gloves. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, me and they that. Do still, I'm just looking. They do still sell rugby. Gilbert still make rugby gloves. He was it literally the last for... person wearing it. I don't know if it, I've not been near the amateur level of rugby for quite some time. Can anybody <laughs> sort of tell me whether in the lower leagues there are still some people wearing gloves? <laughs> the most sensible thing that anybody in the lower leagues, if you can get away with it, should start doing 
is start wearing fucking NFL wide receiver gloves instead of when you play rugby. People will think you're a twat, but NFL modern NFL wide receiver gloves have some sort of weird tacky material on them that basically means that you can catch shit one-handed. Hang on a uh, minute, though, but didn't they... Going back in time, didn't the, the year the Raiders won, didn't their cornerback have... He covered himself in stickum, as they called it, which is like gloy gum. It was literally all yeah. over his... He put it on his legs and everything, so the ball would just stick to him. And six months after that, they, they basically outlawed stickum, but now it's now it's allowed on gloves. It's not... It's not like the basically the gloves have a sort of coating, or certainly <laughs> the gloves that were being used when I was playing uh, very briefly about fifteen years ago um, were they they definitely had a tackiness to them that went beyond just a like, sort of not like goalie gloves. Yeah, no, beyond that, it was like you could sort of you know when you touch them, put them two of them together, and they slightly stick. Yeah. It was that level. Of that. Just get a just get a pair of those, and like if you really want to be that guy, just cut the tops off them so you're, yeah, you know. And then, yeah, just to, and watch how you have all of a sudden have amazing handling skills, even in the wet. It was such a strange trend because I mean, not gloves should. It was, but they can't have been any good, can they? Because otherwise, they just never would have stopped wearing them. Yeah, because they, they made such a huge shit. difference. You go, I'm never taking these off because I'm never dropping a ball again. But they must just mustn't have made any difference in the final analysis. Or vanity no. won out when people stop wearing them. <laughs> people I'm not wearing realize, them. People aren't I wearing mean, them. Or the ultimate realization that they were nothing more than a fashion accessory. Yes, exactly. So yeah, so are you, well, so well, seriously though, are you are you happy about this? Gloves aside, I mean. Yeah, I mean, as an attack coach, I mean, he obviously was sort of player coaching at Bordeaux Begler last year, and they don't play bad rugby, let's face it. Um, and he has yeah, played in every sure. attack since 1984, so he's got a really wide range of <laughs> absolutely has. Yeah. experience I mean, to call. Fuck, yeah, fuck it. You know, so when somebody that, you know, experienced wants to rock up at your club, you know, yeah, give him a go. What's the worst could happen? Which We've tried sort of homegrown attacks. We've tried chaos and appointed yeah, unknown just... people from the back room that ends in tears. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we try exactly. this? <laughs> We've tried Griffiths. We've tried Matt Sherrod. You know, let's try Brock James. Why not? It's worse than that. You end up with a surplus of gloves you can't sell. Um, <laughs> right. So that's that. Uh, what else have we got? Here? The European finals dates have finally been announced. They're going to be October the 16th and the 17th. Still in, weren't they meant to be in, I want to say, Lyon? Uh, something like that, yeah. Marseille? Let's find out, shall we? Champions Cup final 2020. Uh, they're, they're somewhere nice. No, uh, no pun intended there. Um. <laughs> I, that took me a while to get that joke. Sorry, I must say they are indeed. They were in Lyon yeah. a few years ago, I think. No, they were. Yeah, or was it the Europe? The actually, the footy one was in Lyon. I can't fucking remember. Anyway, Who I, knows? I'm out of my elements here. Lyon's nice. <laughs> I've not been to many places um, in France, to be fair. Ultimately, wherever they're playing, they're going to be playing in front of nobody. So it doesn't really matter if it's being held, you know, down the Michael Sobel Sports Centre in Aberdeen. You know, no, France might have sorted it by then. Just nobody be able to travel there. 
Uh, okay, yeah. Might as well have just a big French crowd in. Fair enough. You'll like immediately They're get bored good. and go silent after five minutes because they've got <laughs> no and interest then just in go, it. And then we'll have... <laughs> and, then we'll go, hey! and, and then that'll be all you'll hear out of them for the next 40 minutes. Bird flu will be released by the cockerel legging it across the field and <laughs> it'll all end in tears again. What else have we got news-wise here? Uh, Brad Barrett said that he's retiring at the end of the season. I thought uh, he said that anyway. I kind of thought that as well. But I think what's happened is that obviously his contract ended on like the 31st of May or something. So yes, they've had to so do a, so they've had to extend his contract until whatever change the yeah, terms they, of it. They want to keep him around long enough to see out the season and so they've had to to tack on a couple of extra months. But yeah, you know, as limited as he was at test level and he was limited. Yep. Um a remarkable servant for Sarries and a huge part of the club's success over he the last was decade. The best club inside centre going. Yeah, hundred percent. Remember Eddie Jones saying he was the best club hooker in the world, but was no good at playing international rugby. But he was the best yeah. club hooker in the world. And there yeah. is something about that, isn't there? I mean, there's something. Yeah. I'd like to actually try one day to identify that that cachet of players. Do you know what I mean? That kind of yeah, the they best. are the absolutely undisputed best in their position, yeah. but but cannot go beyond club level. But they're amazing at that level. Yeah. Dan Evans is the best club <laughs> yes. level fullback yeah. in the world. Uh, yes, yeah. The minute you lift him an inch above that level, he turns into a shambles. Yeah. But Yeah. There was a time when Josh Navidi was the best yes. club level. You thought he'd be locked there forever, wouldn't you? Yeah. But then he magically, magically found this extra gear. It's quite the Rubicon to cross, isn't it? It is. I think it is a big one to sort of... There's been a lot of good players like that, you know. Joe Beerman, remember him? Really good player for the Dragons. Really, really solid. Never, like, a 10, 15-year career in pro game. Always gave everything. Just nowhere near good enough. Stephen <laughs> Myler. Yeah. Was he arguably the Great best shout. club outside half going? Yes, or Gareth Steenson. Yes. Good shout, yeah. Oh, this good, this good. Run and run. Give us your sub- give us your suggestions, yeah. everybody. The absolutely be- undisputed best club player in their position. Yeah, but that under no they... circumstances must must they be international class. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that they can't have been tried at international level. Yes, that's true. That just means that just means as soon as they've got there, it's, they've just got new. <laughs> He's got to be under five caps. I'd David say. Pace, the hooker. Oof, oh, outstanding club player. <laughs> I think on a anyway. couple of England tours, it was never to be, but yeah, it was a... Right then, sorry, other news. I missed this mm. last week, but Kirtley Beale said, can I leave the Waratahs, please, because I want to go to Racing 92. I missed that last week. I think that was, that was yeah. relatively old news, but I wanted to surface it. Fair play to him. So that's, yeah, again, no, the fucking Hollywood in that back line is going to go off the charts, isn't it? If it hasn't already. Yes. Um, the big news today, of course, um, is uh, I suppose ultimately you can put these two bits of news together and just say the hubris and self-interest of French club rugby is going to be the death of all of us. Um, <laughs> so, first off, we have, um, and I'm, I mean, I'm. This pains me, but according to Stephen Jones in the Times oh. today, which is a source that I'm loath to. But that guy has got a fucking black book, so you've got to give it to him. Um, the whole global season thing is f- dead um, because the French clubs 
have said, no fucking way are we playing rugby in the summer because we've done an independent analysis that says that nobody's going to bother going to watch rugby if it's nice. So they've just absolutely... <laughs> the LNR has absolutely adamantly said, apparently, um, we will. there will be no... None. There will be no <laughs> summer rugby. Um, and so that's that. But hang on. <laughs> Fuck... Their but league just... runs till the end of fucking June now. What do they mean by summer rugby? They don't want to play in July and August. Because the the, the, they... the the compromise plan last week was to start in December and finish in July, wasn't it? Yeah, they don't want to... They basically, they just don't want to do it. <laughs> they don't want to do anything. They, they've they got this... Investment. This is a bad faith negotiation, because every time we solve yeah. a problem, you basically, find another one. They are, they are pissed off that they were not, you know, given pride of place at the negotiating table. And there's some truth, you know, there's some absolute fucking understandable grievance in that that world rugby got together to decide the future of the game and didn't think to invite anybody from the domestic leagues to join um but especially when you know particularly in france and england and places like that these are all independent people and independent Mm -hmm. companies and independent teams however um yeah it does just seem like they they're all they're making quite a lot of money off TV and such, and they don't want to do anything that could potentially put that at risk and risk their position as being the sort of richest rugby league on earth. And so they've basically told everyone else to go fuck themselves. I don't but, even that's it for now. It's not the end of it though. I don't think. I think because they, they can always bring gonna... because their contracts will be coming to an end at some point. You know, there, there's an element of a, the right time to approach this, isn't there? And the genie's just... out of the bottle now. There's too many people who are now. You know, everybody shook their heads for years, didn't they? There's mm. too many people nodding now, albeit cautiously. Yeah, even Bill Beaumont's nodding cautiously. And, you know, I think this would be a different conversation if Pichot had won. I think that he that there would have been a different kind. Of, there's still everybody... He'd have been installing you know, a skate park at Rugby World Headquarters, absolutely. World Rugby Headquarters. That would have been the conversation he'd have been having. <laughs> PS4's in every meeting room. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, despite all of the sort of, as you say, the noises that are being made by everyone, I still feel like there is a a sense that everybody is saying this stuff while at the same time still trying to, on the quiet, protect all of their vested interests and try to shore everything up. Eventually, though, as you say, there will be a reckoning where people will have to confront reality, but today is not that day. And speaking of not confronting reality, <laughs> have you heard about Bezier? No. Oh, this is fun. So Bezier, who are currently sat uh, in ninth in the Pro D2 in France, yep. are in the process of being taken over by an Emirati conglomerate uh, fronted by Christophe Dominici, obviously. Um <laughs> Uh, and are turning up with promises of bringing a previously unheard of level of wealth into rugby union, along with uh, a comically ambitious high-profile shopping list of players and coaches that they're planning to recruit. So, um, yeah, congratulations on all of those directors of rugby and club owners who've been talking about making rugby financially sustainable while privately owned clubs still have the ability to contract players. Like It just fucked me. But... Every cloud, Josh, you know what? This might happen. Somewhere in a large house, there's a swimming pool, the sun's shining down, and there's a man who's holding onto a, an espresso, about to bring it to his lips, has heard this news and gone, you think you can fucking be bigger than me, do you? That man is Murad Boujalal. 
<laughs> and this will bring him back and go, oh, you think you can invest more money than me, do you? And be more of a twat <laughs> and more of a disruptor than me. Well, I'm back from retirement. I've been bored in lockdown. I'm back from retirement. <laughs> so I'm not sure if French rugby has a fit and proper person's test, but uh, let's have a look and see how, you know, oil money and rugby goes together in terms of... It'll go together persons. fine. Absolutely fine is my guess, yeah. Um, so would you like to hear who, according to Midi Olympic this morning, um, they've been linked, well, they're, 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 who's on their hit list, go. basically. So coach-wise, they would like Michael Checker, uh, assisted, by Rodrigo Ron- assisted by Rodrigo Roncero as the forwards coach and Juan Martin Hernandez as the backs and skills coach. I put good money on getting all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, their hypothetical sort of would be nice targets include Bowden Barrett, Dan Bigger, Samissa Rockadaguni, and Wanimoff. Um, but terrifyingly, <laughs> Midi Olympic claims that they're in advanced negotiations slash have basically nailed down uh, Mar Nonu, uh, Jordan Tafua from Leicester, um, Rika Corabetti, Benjamin Fowl, and Courtney Laws, who is apparently basically a done deal who's going off to play for Bezier next season. Um, and I say this is a club that is in ninth in the Pro D2 this season. So they're not going up this year. I, I think all of those, with the exception of Barrett, are eminently gettable. Absolutely. The they're not mental. It's that just... sweet spot of just slight, <laughs> still playing international rugby, but slightly too old to not be wanting, willing to give it up if the number is right. Yeah, Dan Bigger in a year's time. Oh, or even in six months' time, will be temptable there. You know, Imoff, Rocket Dagooni. Oh, yeah, forget about Rocket non- Dagooni massively. Nonu is, is playing in America anyway. He'll yeah. happily come back to France for a massive payday. Um, everyone in Leicester is quitting, apparently. We'll come on to that. So <laughs> Tawafua will be off. Um, basically, it just proves that all of this, oh, yeah, we need to make rugby financially sustainable, is fucking bollocks. Like, until everyone's centrally... All the big players are centrally contracted by big players in France and England and in Wales, rugby is going to keep doing this financially unsustainable dance where a very rich man comes along, whether it's fucking Bujalal, whether it's Bruce Craig, whether it's Steve Lansdowne, or whether it is, you know, a bunch of Emirati rich dudes. It's, it's always going to be the same dance, and it's always going to totally fucking inflate and bollocks up everything. So look forward to Bezier winning the fucking Champions Cup in like two and a half years, something like that. Nice to see different names on the trophy, though. <laughs> different, yeah, it's nice to see different bought names on the trophy from the ones that have been <laughs> the last ten years. You mentioned Leicester Tigers there. Oh yeah, half the squad are refusing to take a pay cut or something. Don't tell me Ellis Genge is not having a fucking impact <laughs> here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, and obviously, they haven't got a Steve Diamond's sausage machine negotiation tactic, have they? I mean, that's the thing. It does kind of <laughs> the contrast. The contrast between what's happening at Leicester, where you know, as it says, some of them are England internationals. A third of the squad have until Tuesday, which is, I'm guessing, when most of you will be listening to this, <laughs> um, to sign Leicester's new unimproved contract, <laughs> that dramatically worsened contract. I'm guessing. Um, Leicester basically say if they don't sign them by Tuesday, they'll all be free agents and the contracts will be torn up, which I'm pretty sure quite a few of those players would be fine with, given what's gone on with Leicester over the last couple of years. 
Um, We're all off to Bezier. Yeah. <laughs> well, indeed, yeah. But it, it does kind of, the contrast between this, where it's, you know, fucking storming the Bastille level shit, and the way it was all kind of handled, it makes everything that happened at the sale feel a bit more sinister. Doesn't, doesn't it, it just? <laughs> well, in, but sinister, I don't know. We can't jump to any conclusions. But yeah, there's definitely a kind of, it's why did you all agree something. to this? It's got a whiff of something. Or it could like just it. be that Dimes is a better negotiator. And again, he knows it the sweet be. spot, you know. Still, penny for fucking Steve Borthwick's thoughts. He starts this week, and a third of his squad might be unemployed and out by day two, through no fault of his own. I mean, yeah. He could just take his, his England his England cap, when he was England cap's in press conference approach, though, couldn't he? I thought those negotiations went really well. I don't, I don't recognise what you're saying about the performance. <laughs> no, we haven't got anyone here. To talk to you, they've all gone. I forgot me. to mention when we did Brad Barrett. Now mm. Brad Barrett, he owns. I remember back a few years ago, he had a luxury lettings company. And when I looked at it, it, sa- it said you get a load of luxury stuff for free, like keys and and furniture, which didn't seem very luxury to me. But he was trying to sell something, so I thought, I wonder if he still got that letting company. So I put in Brad Barrett companies. Anyway, I ended up on LinkedIn. He's got a coffee company. Of course he fucking has, by the way, because he yeah. he's a rugby is player. It called, is it called Wolfpack Coffee or something? No, it's got a weird name. It's called like... Oh, it's called Tiki Tonga Tiki Coffee. Tiki Tonga Coffee. So, yeah, he's got that. So then I ended up on LinkedIn. So, of course, then it's got similar people down the right-hand side who are also on LinkedIn. He's got shitloads of rugby players who all to a man or woman are brand ambassadors. That's their job description. <laughs> Apart from Josh Navidi, who was lurking there, who was actually Hello. a managing director of a company called, and I thought, what what on earth is this? The company is called Cute Club Asset Sourcing. I mean, that I is mean, the mind boggles, doesn't it? Staggeringly, staggeringly bad. Cute Club. So, of course, what do you do next? You go, let's look this up. They must have a website because <laughs> I don't even know what asset sourcing is. So anyway, listen to this. About us, who are we? To put it simply, we are Jack and Josh, which makes me think, who's the Jack? Yes. Um, We're an up-and-coming asset sourcing team that specialises in identifying your next purchase with savings and potential profit in mind. We supply a VIP package to many athletes and Instagram influencers, and we want you to join us. Still don't understand what it is this company does, by the way, having read that. Why should you join us? By working with us, you will benefit from saving thousands, three pound signs, on your next new or used car, watch, or motorbike. In return... It's like... It's like he has created a sort of... He's basically made a company that literally only does things that athletes care about, that rich athletes <laughs> with too much time on their hand care about. It's like, oh, I can get you a, a weird... Like, it's, it's There's something so awful about this, because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you want that, you know, special Range Rover with the rare fucking body pack that nobody... Oh, we yeah, can find it over for Finch. you. Yeah. yeah, you know, or you want that, you know, want you want that fucking... <laughs> Rolex that nobody else can get. Oh, we can get it's like it's basically taking money from rich athletes for basically to to 
hook them up with things. expensive <laughs> expensive things that they don't need. Which, to be fair, fair enough. Uh, if that's a great business to get into, if <laughs> if you want to deprive athletes of some money, if only all the people that you knew weren't about to get a thirty percent pay cut. But uh, the I mean, so, yeah. But this is the best one. What is our aim? So mission statement, right? We aim to provide you with parts of our knowledge, only parts of, the, of their knowledge, by the way. We aim to provide <laughs> you with parts of our knowledge to help you grow and diversify income through asset acquisition. Clients of ours have already benefited from purchases that total over £300,000 worth. Now, they buy cars. By my reckoning, of a, a really good car, that's about five really good cars that they've managed mm. to broker as a company. I tell you what, though, it's it's fascinating how this whole that whole sketch works. Like, because I was looking at some of the prices on there, and it was like, oh, here's a fucking, you know, Audi A1 from 2011. It's like twelve grand. Like, that's, that's, that doesn't. I was just going to say that isn't going to appreciate in value. No, exactly. It's like, okay, the fucking Lamborghini maybe does. I don't know, possibly, or the McLaren, or I the imagine. fancy. It fucking... holds its value at least, you would think. Yeah, and the fucking Rolex is sure. But they seem to be. They seem to be They seem to be walking this line between being a second-hand car salesman <laughs> and really? a high-end sort of like the Riviera lifestyle, lifestyle yeah. sort of thing. It's like, okay, that's maybe that's part of it, but like, I don't know. It's just weird, isn't it? It's just. It's just. It's on, on the one hand, it's exactly the sort of business that a professional athlete will start. As we said before coming on, it's like they've watched an episode of Ballers and the day after gone, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're setting up this company. I'm going to get a check suit like The Rock and we're going to fucking just hang around with people all the time and big cars. Uh, My favourite bit of the, what, the what is our aim bit, it says that the, the things they've sold, ranging from Range Rovers, no apostrophe, to Rolexes with an apostrophe, Patek Philippe's with an apostrophe and Porsches with an apostrophe. If you're going to apply a rule, lads, even incorrectly, at least just apply it consistently. <laughs> that is my, you know, as as someone who does that job, I can live with people who have, who don't understand how to use grammar properly. That's fine. But just be fucking consistent, man. Just so if you're consistent. an athlete or an Instagram influencer, then... um. Get 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 down to cute club asset something whatever it's called because yeah. I'm not being funny but if you look at their stock at the minute they've sold <laughs> mo- good, they've sold most of the Range there. Rovers but they have got an Audi A6 2016 which you can get yeah. for twenty four grand and if you don't want to make some money that <laughs> diversify your income. There's a Mercedes oh. E220 that they've got for sale for eight grand with 84,000 miles on the clock. So if you're an Instagram influencer who wants a bog-standard used Merc, then <laughs> 61 plate, mind. 61 plates to get yourself down there. Do you want to know what... I've gone... While you've been talking about this, <laughs> I've never gone... I've never realised that, of course professional athletes that have 
dreams. Of course, every dickhead's got LinkedIn now. It's basically honestly I've the professional sports link, the last, LinkedIn is rabbit hole is magnificent. The last Ten minutes and it is a delight. <laughs> so James Haskell, right? Well, yeah. Would you mean he's got a LinkedIn? No. Yeah. Well, I don't know. he's got a LinkedIn where he's showing off his abs that look like, you know, when you have one of those plastic ab seats. <laughs> yes. It looks like that. Um, but he's his, his LinkedIn is, is as boring as his personality is. But um, my favourite bit is that six people have uh, endorsed him for uh, his coaching abilities. Um, and one of those is his mum. So <laughs> that is so perfect. Is, only six people have done it after his career, and one of them is his mother. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris Robshaw looks like he's trying to be auditioning for the next James Bond on his LinkedIn. Oh, has he got his velvet uh, dinner yeah, suit he's on got again? The velvet thing. Uh, Rob Howley's got one that's just a photo of his dog. Um, <laughs> He's going for also, a wistful dog. What is a bit awkward is that Rob Howley has just liked Gloucester Rugby's post about George Skivington being his new head coach, which, <laughs> I mean, that's... If this falls through, lads, you know where I am. Not far down the old A40. But you've only got to look at Rob's CV, man. Fucking hell. You know, yeah, I, we said it's going to be there, but we can joke as much as you like, but there's yeah, very few people who've got that CV. Three fucking lines to us, the Cardiff Blues, Bridgend and the Welsh Rugby Union. I mean, it's not bad. It He's all comes to a roaring stop at the ban for gambling, though, doesn't it, I think? <laughs> Weirdly, hasn't put that on his... Uh... <laughs> Interest, getting banned for gambling. <laughs> uh, I mean, Andy Goode's on here, obviously. Oh, uh, I saw him straight away. Elliot Daly's on there. Got about yeah. what, two entries on there. Summing up, really, I don't, I don't know if Elliot Daly's got much to say about anything. Bless him. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, old Stu Lancaster's on there as a leadership and coaching oh, management. I bet he writes blogs and everything. I bet there's like, he's like got loads of like leadership shit that he's written himself, <laughs> diagrams and stuff. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got his own website about leadership and shit. Of course he has. Uh, I mean, I call this the Lancaster Ovoid of continuous improvement. <laughs> Uh, oh god, I just come across Jeremy Clarkson's LinkedIn, which is just a weird thing. Jeremy Clarkson doesn't need a LinkedIn. They don't run this himself. Do they? I have to. I've had. I've got to do one for work, like proper. I work, have not one. this. Yeah, I have one that I just hate because I hate LinkedIn, and I don't do Twitter for work though. That happens a lot, and you're in like these like conferences. Mm-hmm. And people say, if you're tweeting today, use this hashtag, you know, hashtag whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Thank you. But you're like, you know, but seriously, everyone that follows you is sat in this room. Yeah. You sort of like, oh, well, that was an interesting thing that that speaker just said, isn't it? And then Paul from the other end of the room goes, yes, I agree. That was very interesting. I can honestly say that nothing interesting has ever happened to me as a result of LinkedIn. <laughs> I know a lot of people have said that they've you got You've had me and service. nothing interesting has ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> that I pause was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I just I know people have got jobs out of it and shit, but I level with you. I have literally not once in my life had anything positive happen out of LinkedIn, except <laughs> once when I uh endorsed a friend of mine who now works for Witch magazine for animal husbandry. And you I just thought I just thought LinkedIn was a laugh, you know. Did you... So I... <laughs> you used to just wrote that in as a laugh. Yeah, it was like, you know, when you were like, everyone... Skills. You know, you, 
Like yeah. People, yeah, and you know, endorsing everyone for skills. I just endorsed like everybody I knew for animal husbandry for a month, <laughs> and then people got quite pissed off. And then got a job offer, so you know. Yeah, got got, got in, invited to come. Unintended consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And now so, I have uh... a job I hate looking after sheep. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, so Jesus and his uh, absolutely fucking peak professional athlete business idea and you know what i don't I, I respect any athlete that's trying to do businesses that keep them to be honest i've never had the balls to be an entrepreneur absolutely not. so if you're and... going to put yourself out there that's fine pay no attention to us taking the piss out of it believe me no, absolutely we just take the piss out of things anyway <laughs> so that that must be the end of the news if it isn't it is anyway Better, I'd be. Yeah, so the weekend me. then, there's not much to say about the weekend, is there? Uh, no, I'll tell you what I learned from the weekend um, is that Super Rugby Aotearoa has made me realise I'm a bit of a caveman in that rugby that lacks a bit of niggle struggles to captivate me. And I honestly think like rugby has been excellent mm-hmm. so far, right? Like the skill levels have been Blues very Highlanders good. was a genuinely bloody good game. Blues Highlanders, brilliant game, but everyone's just getting on far too fucking well. <laughs> you know, like there was a very, very brief moment in the second half of Blues versus Highlanders where there was a very, very minor fracas, and there was a bit of squaring up, and I was just like, "Yes, fucking get into him!" And then within seconds, everyone was friends again, and I just these are derbies, you know, like. Derby's are supposed to have a bit of edge. They're supposed to be a bit... I knew but... it was a non-starter when the Hurricanes didn't beat the shit out of Bowden Barrett in that try celebration Because he had properly <laughs> exactly. just gone in, like, shoulder first in a really shitty way on the guy. Yeah, yeah. And he then they all just jumped to... around with him, and he should have, that should have been, like, a proper f- seven-man-around-him lumping going yeah. on there. It's got all the fucking niggle of a game of touch played on a church retreat. You know, it's like... Even when players are interviewed, when they lose at the end of, like, fucking... Nobody seems that bothered. They all seem far too fucking jolly about it. The only person who seems pissed off when they lose at the moment is Warren fucking Gatland. <laughs> I wonder if it's just the combination of the fact that everyone's genuinely just quite happy that they're just playing rugby again and like that they've come out of the, like they're they're still on a high that they're just to be here is exciting. And also combined with the fact that Super Rugby Aotearoa is a bit pretend, you know. It's like yeah, it's a, it's a tiny. It's a bit, bit of a festival, isn't it? Yeah, it's like an it's end of season a... sevens tour. It's there's big preseason vibes to a lot of this. Yeah, and I don't know. It just lacks that intensity that I really that that. It feels like the Newport the Sevens, but with a slightly less booze. Yeah, it's like when you think about the best games of rugby, whether it's the best games of international rugby or whether it's you know Heineken Cup or whatever. There's a bit of edge there. There's a bit of intensity. And I don't feel like anybody in New Zealand at the moment is playing Super Rugby particularly and Maybe intense. that's right. That's what they need right now. They yeah, just need exactly. a bit I of don't... a celebration and stuff. But don't expect me, us to get that excited about it. That's what I don't think. I'm sure they don't expect anything. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just explaining still, why we're not getting that excited about it. I'll still watch days. it and I'm still enjoying it. Oh, it's, great, yeah. It's, fuck me, it's rugby. Yeah. And, you know, and there's some lovely I'm, stuff happening. As mentioned, yeah. There I really can't get that emotionally invested in it, I suppose. No, and I think that is my issue. I cannot 
like I'm struggling to get that emotionally invested in it when it honestly doesn't seem like the players are that emotionally invested in it either. Gatland, I imagine, is like um, you know Billy Bean played by Brad Pitt in Moneyball. Yes. What he says, you know, you need to understand. I hate losing. I hate losing more than I like winning. And I get that kind of impression yeah. with Warren Gatland at the minute. In fact, I, I mean, I've always got that impression about Warren Gatland. He'd much rather... you Sean know, Edwards as well. I hate losing more than I enjoy winning, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, yeah, he's the only person that's sort of trying to kind of inject a bit of niggle into all this and, you know, you know, be a bit salty in press conferences and seems pissed off at the end of games. You know, fucking Aaron Smith after the Highlanders, you know, given what an absolute gut punch that loss should have been for the Highlanders. Yes. Given that it was there for them to at least draw, if not win that game. And he was just like, yeah, you know, it was, yeah, yeah. And he was just <laughs> like, could not, you know, if you just told me that guy had won by 30 points, I would not have been shocked. It's just, it's weird, man. Rugby without intensity and without edge. What is it? That's the Tutu's showing himself again, though, isn't he? That well, fucking this is the flip get side. yourself in and rip it out in that last drive of the Highlanders, man. Yeah, this this is the flip side of it. Is the one definite bonus of all this attention being focused on New Zealand's domestic teams is that we in the Northern Hemisphere are not going to be taken by surprise when the likes of Oscar or Caleb Clark or Will Jordan absolutely tear us a fucking new one next time we're allowed to play them. Because we've all seen it now. We've all gone, yep, good, 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 good. Good fuck. Yeah. Uh, Japan should have played Wales, by the way, on Saturday. Yeah. At 5 a.m. And this weekend, Ireland should be playing Australia. And South Africa should be playing Scotland. And actually, Wales should be playing the All Blacks this weekend. It's weird, though, isn't it? It's weird. So you could actually be exposing yourself to the full fucking pasty that they would be unleashing all over you. (laughs) But it's just so weird that it feels like because of this break, it's like we're sort of coming towards the tail end. You know, the domestic season hasn't even started again to finish again. And we should be, you know, the season should be over in a couple of weeks mm. properly. And we haven't even fucking started. It's just on my, like I've realised throughout the course of this lockdown that I sort of, the rhythm of my year is entirely sort of based around sport. Yes, that's true. And yeah. if you start fucking with that, I just, I don't, I just lose my like sort of pin in the map. You know, it's like you've got, you know, rugby season with football and American football, and then you've got, you know, Six Nations, and then you've got the end of year, te- you know, you've got the fight, you know, domestic finals, and you've got the summer tours, and then going off summer tours, and then you've then got. Then you have a minute. Then you have a minute. You have a, you know, you, we we maybe get a month off. We, you know, there's. And you got a bit of debriefing and thinking about the next. We're yeah. not just out to thinking what the fucking hell's going on, which is what we're doing now. Because <laughs> technically, we've had a yeah. long minute now, haven't we? It's just it's been like, well, uh... yeah, it's it's totally, it's totally thrown me. And the the thought that this, you know, this domestic season isn't going to finish until fucking October or something, I just, yeah, it's totally fucking twisted my melon, man. Okay. Anything else to say about the weekend? Because I haven't. Honestly, not really. Like, I mean, right. two, a good game and a not very good game. In the rain. Yeah. The, yeah. So, uh, we've decided to do a bit of a video round. 
Yeah. Because people seem to like that. Because so. <laughs> you've just seen our attempts at just, <laughs> the weekend. <laughs> We're playing to our strengths, ladies and gentlemen. Playing to our strengths. Uh, we'll have Paul Williams on to do a full hour on the Hurricanes at some point or the Highlanders. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we decided we pick a video week, so have a bit of a reflection on it, a bit of a chat about it. What yeah. did you choose, Josh? Uh, I decided I chose to uh, dig out one of my favourite weird video things from the turn of the last decade, which is uh, the Welsh Rugby Union team turning up for the crossbar challenge on uh, Sky Sports Soccer Saturday, which is a very short and very silly video, but a video that I feel is quite revealing let's, in some um, ways. Let's just give you a little flavour of it, ladies and gentlemen. I'll play Indeed. the whole thing. Doesn't seem to want to work now. It's gone well, this new feature, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just trying to refresh advantage, and see what happens. The advantage, the advantage is we can just cut this bit. We could just cut it. We're or probably not, not going or to. Or not. <laughs> so, so, before we wait for this to come on, because it was all, honestly, mm. it was working. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Well, that's some classic 2010 era background music for a sports programme. Ryan Jones, a.k.a. Ron Burgundy, back row. Oh, they're trying all the funnies, though. All the funnies. Tom Shanklin, centre. See, I'm disappointed with Tom Shanklin there. It's like, you know, he's got such a reputation in his post-career as this sort of podcasting bon, bon vivant. Stephen Jones, stand by for Quinn Gekko, Gary, three double, Clinton, and Now, I thought Stephen Jones would do well here. Honestly, what's the best thing about this almost is how fucking shit they all are at it. They are uniformly terrible. Honestly, no, God, it is the worst fucking display attempt. of crossbar challenge attempts you've ever seen yeah. in your life. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Soccer Saturday, one of the worst things about Sky, right? Responsible for soccer giving Tim Lovejoy a uh, soccer am sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, I've never been able to watch it. It's so bad, yeah. yeah. Gave Tim Lovejoy a career, uh, continues to enable the media career of Jimmy Bullard. There's the Invented the word be... techers, which yeah. probably makes me want to do murder. Indeed. But occasionally, you add bits that sort of... It, this is 2009, right? So they've got Grand Slam champions Wales in to do this for a bit of a laugh before the Six Nations uh, takes place. And... I do, a, I find it kind of endearingly, as you say, they're all trying to get in with the jokes, which I find endearingly relatable. James Hook says Barry John. Which, exactly. Imagine, can you imagine James Hook playing up to the Barry John nickname publicly these days? No, because oh, people God, would yeah. fucking you slate him for the it. The lack of respect. Yeah. You wish you had Barry John's ability in career, James yeah. Hook. Yeah. Twitter didn't exist. In 2009, not barely. in the way we Instagram understand it. No, Instagram didn't exist at all. You know, it's like it was very rare to see professional rugby players just being normal and having a laugh. And I always remember just enjoying it for that. Like, how can you imagine Alan Wynne Jones doing a fucking horse impression, which he does at the end of this? <laughs> he does do at the end of it, yeah. Today, or the fact that the only player other than Tom Shanklin who refuses to banter it up in any way at all is Gavin Ensign. 
You know why? Because yeah. I think Gavin Edwards have thought, I'm going to fucking smash this. So he came up he, and said... A, I think he did. And he fucked it. He says, Gavin Edwards, he does, his, he does that funny, like, kick, back kick run-up that he does. The other flick. He does yeah. the first two flick yeah. steps. And then he runs up. And everybody else hits it right-footed and pulls it way left, like, embarrassingly yeah. left. Henson launches it. And I'm not being funny. It must go about 100 metres to the right, wide. Yeah. I- he gets a great contact with it. He toe bungs it, it properly. Yeah. It absolutely goes a million miles, but it was it would it was a proper going out for a throw in job. Kind <laughs> of flagged it, yeah. But like, it's interesting that Henson's the only one that isn't in any way engaged with the media with the banter. And I honestly just think, is that because Gav is the only person in the squad at this point who's been burned by the press enough to be guarded? about stuff yeah maybe so also he... you know is that the, the the squad when everybody else goes up to kick it they're all cheering and laughing when Gavin does mm. it it's quite quiet yeah there's a bit there's a it's really weird to see the sort of squad politics playing out in in this incredibly stupid thing that they're doing even Nugget but, gets in on the laugh doesn't he what does Nugget says he's Paul Scholes uh, midfield maestro which <laughs> Is a fantastic line. You've got to give it to Martin Williams. That is a good, good line. But the best thing in it, but also the sort of the. So the reason what we come to the reason why you've chosen this really yeah, is is Andy Powell, which I mean obviously I mean I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play his bit now. Now, I should point out here, Andy Powell is topless and has just bringed his abs, um, which, and then he runs away, back heeling the ball um, and running off into the distance. And it is just peak. It's the id of Andy Powell, basically, that moment. Because it's the reason he's, he's, he's shirtless, he's goateed, he's fake tanned to a warm teak. It's, he's, in, know, he's in rare shape. He's he's, he's, he's he's as he says best rig. He looks rig. like he's just he looks like he stepped off the remake of Pumping Iron. The he rest does. of them just look like rugby players. He does look yeah. properly, yeah. And I think his watching it for the first time in probably about five years. Though I've always enjoyed it because I will always love Andy Powell because Andy Powell is always entertaining. But watching it for the like. What's happened since with Andy Powell, with obviously him retiring basically because of depression and all this sort of stuff, it made me look at it and go, you see him running up to the camera and being this fucking, like, and all the boys, you know, every single bloke behind him in the whale squad is loving this to the point of just, they're absolutely in stitches. And I just got that vibe of like, Remember that kid in school who could you could just get to do really stupid shit because he was desperate to make the cool <laughs> kids laugh. And like, I just feel like that's Andy Powell's kind of that's the thing that he does was just playing the fool to entertain. I reckon Andy boys. Powell would would have like licked up a bogey off the floor for a quid. Hundred percent. He would have been he, one of them. Wouldn't he? he would have eaten anything for fifty. <laughs> and like, it's I could get, but that sort of. It's always over that sort of need to play the fool and entertain the boys, which obviously, like, and you can anything, you know, when he was on the Lions tour, you know, in the Whale Squad, he is that character that brings the dressing room together. You know, Ugamoni is saying the best thing about being on the Lions tour is meeting Andy Powell, you know, all of this sort of stuff. When we interviewed, uh, him. We interviewed ben, Ult- ben Oatley, didn't we? He did the Lions 
2009 video. And yeah. we said, you know, how easy to spot that somebody's going to be really good value for the documentary. And he said, well, Powell, within about five seconds, you knew. Just don't yeah. take the camera off him for this entire tour, basically. <laughs> One of my favourite things on that DVD is Andy Powell sending his message to the troops. It <laughs> <laughs> still makes me... But all of this stuff is good and fine, but, like, ultimately, like, he was a 20-plus cap international, a very good player, a fucking hell of an athlete, and he went on a Lions tour... You know, he was a good, and all of that has kind of was overshadowed by everything like this Joker personality. He's still playing out now, is he? He's trying to get in the jungle now, isn't he? That's his. Yeah, it's like you know, he's everybody forgets that like he up until the buggy incident, which you know has gone down in history. He started like nine consecutive tests between two thousand and nine and two thousand and ten. He was Wales's like number eight slash occasional number six, you know, started every game. He only started three games after that in the rest of his career. And one of those was like a World Cup warm-up game. Like, when you spend your whole career being the clown and it kind of ultimately results in you, you know, you're telling me that nobody sort of egged him on to get in that golf cart and go down and buy or some he just, well, Or he just became the idiot, didn't he? So, and That's some people thing. are just like that. I mean, there's but the, that point about there being something sad behind him. My mate's brother was forever getting bad from pubs and they'd phone me, me mate, and they'd say, there's a word there's a word in Manchester they use called, and the word is ballooning. Have you ever heard it? <laughs> to balloon means to basically yeah. do what Andy Powell does. Andy Powell is an absolute elite-level ballooner. Do you know what I mean? He'd strip off in pubs yeah. and, and all and, and you'd get a phone and go, Can you come to coaching horses? Why? Your Paul's ballooning again. And he's like, You get down there if you he'd be on the bar with no kecks on. Do you know what I mean? And it was and actually, you know, Paul was a bit of an alky and was not very happy, you know. <laughs> and you can't help escaping the fact that you can't you can't escape the fact that there's something of that in all of these ballooning types, isn't there? Yeah. And part of me thinks and just and I think that's the case you know. You look at Andy Powell and the stuff that happened to him, you know, he, but after that sort of the golf cart incident, you know, he was never the same player for, and he, and he got let go of his contract by uh, the Blues because... He went to Wigan, didn't he? He did a season he, Wigan, he did, but he, he went to Wasps and then he got in that fight in the pub where Tim Payne stood and watched while, <laughs> while about six fucking lads beat the shit out of him um, in definitely one of the most... Uh, endearing moments in Tim Payne's career as a mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then stepped in once he'd been glassed and said he's had enough. But, you know, he just, it, he never, like, it obviously affected him quite badly. And I do feel like the way that it ended, it's sort of like, this This was the moment, this video really, where Andy Powell sort of announces himself as Andy Powell the caricature and Andy Powell the sort of joker. And I love that Andy Powell because he's fucking hilarious. But at the same time, I'm sort of a little bit like, is there a bit of a sort of, I don't want to say tears of a clown because that's horrendous and cliched, but like, however, as you say, is there something behind all that that kind of leads to the way that he's ended up, you know, sort of in his, his career sort of ending on a very sad note and never really sort of attaining the heights that maybe it could have. However, 
also still really fucking funny. I feel really conflicted about it. And was loving it and, you know, it endeared him to lots of people. Yeah, and he clearly still enjoys that. You know, he, he still plays up to that shit today. I think it is who he uh, is. Yeah. It's just whether it becomes... Whether it's whether healthy. It, that became more of who he was than a professional good rugby player. He was always quite limited. He was a strong lad, but he's... You know, yeah. he carried well. He was a good, but... ball, good ball carrier, tackled well, absolutely terrible passing the ball. But, yeah, you know, and quite agile for a big man as well, which was always sort of... He was a good player, but, he, you know, a very good club number eight, probably not quite good enough to be an international number eight, but sort of managed to elevate his game for about a year to the point where he got on a Lions tour. So fair play to him. Oh, the next clip. Honestly... The music in this. So we're going to take I you back um, to, well, I'll take you back to the 12th of April, 1987. And this is rugby special for the 12th of April, 1987. I'm going to play the music, cause the music. And then I want to listen, I want you to listen to the intro of what's coming up on, on, on this episode of rugby special and, and kind of what it tells you about the time really. So, so here we go. Enjoy the music. Was this the regular music? In my mind, yeah. Because this is incredible. It's so bad. Join in. Come on, everyone. This bit sounds like it should be seen for like a 1980s children's ITV program with some puppets. It does. Anyway, it's hosted by Chris Rea, apparently, but... It doesn't look like the driving over for Christmas one. It's a different one, I think. So <laughs> That's definitely a different Here's Chris with the intro. Where the conditions I'm delighted to be able to report are very much better than they were during the Calcutta Cup here he last week. That, Lustery, but it's, but it's We've off. a richly varied and action-packed programme for you. The County Championship final, sponsored incidentally for the last time by Thorn EMI between Yorkshire, whose last appearance in the final was 1963, and Middlesex. We have the top club match of the day in Wales, those famous old rivals, Cardiff against Swansea. A sneak preview, this, of the Welsh Cup final in three weeks' time. And then we go overseas for one of the most spectacular events on the rugby calendar, the Hong Kong Sevens. British interests represented by the Welsh Academicals and those delightfully enthusiastic tourists, the Penguins. Then we come back here for a little bit of history because for the very first time, women's rugby was played at headquarters. It's the final of the women's championship, Richmond against Wasps, and I promise you, you're in for a treat. And if all that's not enough, then we'll be hearing from two World Cup captains, England's Mike Harrison and Richard Moriarty of Wales. So there you go, a lot going on. There's so much to unpack there, man. It's, A, it's mad to me that the county champion was uh, county championship was a thing that was this big a deal as late as the sort of eighties that English rugby basically had. Can we talk about sponsored by Thorny MI though? <laughs> I love that because the last time though the I had remembered time. Thorny MI being on the on video boxes when I was a child, and I thought, I wonder when they out of business. And they made they made um like they actually made videos and shit and tellies mm. and stuff. So I went looking, I thought, it can't still be a thing, Thorny MI. So I'll go and have a look. It isn't, but it's one of those companies where you just go, what? So basically, Thorny MI, it was Thorn Electrical Industries and it merged with EMI. Which enough. in itself, by the way, is, what the yeah. fuck? And here's the operations. I had television broadcasting, okay, yeah. 
retail and rental. So it's but Thorny MI is basically the company that in that built all of our childhoods. Yeah. So it built like so tape players and videos and VHSs. And then in rental, it owned radio rentals. And rumbelows. And rumbelows, which is I mean oh, oh. Do you remember that day when you didn't buy washing machines? Yeah. You, you rented, rented them for like eleven pounds a month. The which fir- was an absolute fucking racket. Yeah. People talk about bloody buyers of you and Wonga now. These fuckers had yeah. it tied up years ago. Absolutely. And I'd um because we got our telly from Radio Rentals when I went to uni. Because nobody had a telly then. They've all got everyone's got a flat screen now, haven't they? We didn't have a telly. We would have rented a portable for Radio Rentals and then had a row about who was you, chipping in mine, for it. Mine came from my dead gran, otherwise I'd have been in the same. <laughs> We've discussed this. There was always some fucking posh kid who brought his PC and had a fucking video and everything with him. But um, so yeah, they did that. Then they had defence. So yeah. they used to make basically sites and fucking rockets and shit, as well as, as like <laughs> tellies and stuff. Sure. They did they did machine tools. They had a fifteen percent interest in Chrysalis Records. Yeah, and EMI, obviously, and, it, and re- record label. And at some point, they took over Virgin. I think they made they made dreadful <laughs> they made computer games, Tank Commander, Snooker and Billiards, Eight Ball and Tournament Pool, a game River simply Rescue. called Darts. <laughs> I mean, basically, they did. It's remarkable. Business communications, fire and security fire. systems, product development, they, consumer electronics. They own Ferguson. Do you remember Ferguson? Everyone yes. had a Ferguson product at some point, didn't they? Yeah. They own Kenwood. They have the expensive Ooh. mixers. Yeah. And then the thing I remember most is that yeah, they had Thorny Mi Video. So they've literally released VHSs. So the Terminator and First Blood were on Thorny MI. Yep, Evil Dead, Bad Boys. Bad Boys is what I must remember being on fucking That was one of the last ones they had on there because it disappeared soon. So yeah, sorry to go to that Thorny MI rabbit hole, but basically it's the company that (laughs) built every British childhood in the 80s, it would seem. Everything you touched in the 80s was built in some way by Thorny MI. But also sponsored the... English County Championship in rugby for some reason. Which brings us back to where we are now. So it's Yorkshire versus Middlesex. Yes. And, and you know, when you look at it, and obviously it's, it is your point you were making before about state of origin, weren't you? Yeah. They basically had state of origin for rugby union and A, got rid of it, well, and or just ignored it and continue to ignore it to this day. So things I learned, Rob Andrews from Yorkshire. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know that. Tell you, there's quite a few players in that Yorkshire team that made me go, you really? Rory Underwood's from Yorkshire? Yeah, that's another one. I knew Peter Winterbottom was. Or is it that yes, you're from Yorkshire yeah. or you're currently playing in Yorkshire? I don't know how it works. Who knows? I think it should be a state of origin thing. You should have to be from the country, the county that you came from. Bring sure, it back, I say. I say, 100%. Instead of our, our all-star game, we'll go full state of origin. North versus South. John Bentley's playing in this Yorkshire team, by the way. He yeah, he is. A very young John Bentley. Pre-going to rugby league and coming back and the Lions and all that. Mm. Did you spot whose dad was playing for Middlesex? Rob Lazowski. Yeah. Yes. Alex I, did, a... I, forgot he was, I forgot he was a player. Yeah. Some bloke called Hugh Davis is playing for Middlesex with the Welshest <laughs> name on earth. So I, don't know. I was going to say, it was like, are you 
honestly, I want to know the, the what what were the qualification requirements to actually do this. To be fair, Jeffrey Hugh Davis was born in Eastbourne, so that no, makes fair. no sense either because Eastbourne ain't in Middlesex, but he's playing <laughs> fullback because he plays for Wasps, which would be Middlesex because they were West London. Right, I think we're starting to get to the bottom of this. Aren't so we? I think there's some weird qualification. But anyway, the game on YouTube, the game is. I'll, we'll post the links to this. But the game is the only thing that's on YouTube is that is this game, not the whole of this episode. Unfortunately, sadly not. No. Bill McLaren commentates no. on it. He said there's a there's a good crowd in at HQ and there's properly about fifty seven people in one stand. Yeah. On the on the flip side, I when I saw the crowd size, I was like, I was like guys, on BBC, you know, they broadcast, and then I saw how many people there, I was like, ah, yeah, that's why they got rid of it, because no one gave a fuck. And it's also, once again, an example of how any rugby union can be shown on primetime television, no matter how uninterested people are in it. (laughs) All we had was the floodlit trophy. But the game itself is actually not bad. It's pretty good, all I will say. Nice to watch. Middlesex's first scrum in this game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Yorkshire Lou said, at no point, even packs down. They just stood Literally, up, bolt straight. The, the, <laughs> the Middlesex tight end is driving into his stomach, and somehow the guy who's getting his stomach drove into wins the penalty. <laughs> it's, like he's not, it's not just that he stood up, he See, never went down. I thought it's because they were telling Middlesex to stand up to reform the scrum, and they just kept pushing, and that's why the penalty was given against them. I couldn't, I couldn't work it out, but it was just one of the weirdest. He, just, he didn't even attempt to pack down. He was just sort of there, standing up, being pushed. <laughs> well, Yorkshire played some good fun. rugby on the way to winning 22-11. Spoiler alert. But it's... Uh... There's an absolutely filthy um, Rob Andrew to Underwood try. Yes, there is. just go, oh, fucking hell, he was good there, wasn't he? <laughs> Surprisingly physical for a little shit of a man as well. Yeah, I know. It's not... Does make you despise him a little bit more. What I liked about it as well is the referee was Colin High, bracket Manchester Society. Manchester Society. Society. Of what? (laughs) Rugby. (laughs) He lives in the Manchester Society. Which bit? But it's not fucking Moss Side. Anyway, so yeah, so that's worth a look. We'll send you the link. So Thorny MI. Wow. Built British childhoods. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like the British GEC, isn't it? Basically, it, it builds basically, everything. Yeah. yeah, it's like General Electric, who make everything from TVs to television programs in America to Tomahawk you know, cruise missiles. Yeah, to, uh, it's... and air conditioning units, <laughs> all sorts. <laughs> I want where's let's bring these companies. Well, I suppose these companies are back. It's like fucking Apple and Google and Amazon. Yeah, basically, they, they build sell different everything. things, don't they? Yeah. And they don't do nearly as much radio rentaling, which I think is a travesty. To be honest, honest, I'd rather have that than... Well, what, no, I'm gone. I suppose radio rentals was replaced with Bright House, was it? So people are Basically, instead paying 12 yeah, quid yeah, to, yeah. in theory, buy something at 500%, and you don't get a new yeah. one every two years like you did with with radio rentals. Yeah. it's. I, uh, when I first moved to Cardiff in... When I first moved to Cardiff in 1998, though, I, I, I got a washing machine from Granada, I think, but they were of the same thing, of the same ilk. Yeah. So it was still happening then. That must have been, I, I think, because we'd always rented stuff like that when I was a kid, I didn't even think to look to buy one. Hmm. Well. Because there's that natural sort whole... of like working class fear of it breaking down and you having no money to, to replace it or something. 
Yeah, and, and by as you view, like the... That was a fucking racket. That was basically, might, might as well have been run by the Sopranos, by as you view. <laughs> you literally had to put money slash... in the side of your telly to watch yeah, it, didn't you? that was gigantic in South Wales. Radio, uh, by as you view. Neil Jenkins was a brand called... ambassador coming yeah, back to the Yeah, they called Radio ambassador. Rentals before that. I think they were, weren't they? I don't know. And... I, yeah, I think but you literally had a, a coin-operated meter stuck to the yeah, side of your you fucking telly. Coin-operated tellies, and you know they were ever that the fucking radio rental shops were everywhere in South Wales up until sort of whenever the fuck they went in, out of business. Like I'm guessing, oh fuck me, I'm just looking. They went into administration in 2019, <laughs> which. I mean, yeah, what can you say? Um, We've just heard the, the news, by the way, that they're locking down Leicester. Oh, fuck me. Maybe maybe, maybe news of the salary negotiations has gone out. You won't be leaving. This town's on lockdown, so you sign yeah. this fucking contract, pal. <laughs> that is a fucking extreme move. <laughs> <laughs> to keep so, Alice Gens from walking out. There's been there's been some misinformation sent to the government from the Leicester board to say, oh, we've just found 77 cases of COVID-19 in our rugby club. <laughs> uh, yeah, boys, like just rentals slash radio rentals. That was were... it, just rentals. Radio rentals was a normal yeah. thing, like a normal rental. It was just rentals yeah. and then... Yeah, just rentals and... Weren't they based in Pontypridd, by the view, which is they why... Were based in, they were based in Bridgend. Right. And, but they were Ponty's main shirt sponsor through much of the 90s. So you will you will know, have a lot of Ponty fans looking back fondly on the Radio Rentals era when, let's just face it, Radio era. Rentals was a despicable company that should not have existed. Yeah, they were basically making you put money in the side of your telly and you, you ended up paying about 13 grand for yeah. a telly over about a four-year period, basically. Absolutely appalling. And if you didn't have any money, you couldn't watch Coronation Street. <laughs> At least we're past all that now, aren't we? Fucking hell, I hope so. Jesus. The beautiful thing now is you can get a telly for next to bugger all. There's, yeah. There's a, there's a stall on Ellesmere Port Market which sells reconditioned flat-screen tellies, and they're all about five mm. years old, and they're all really dear. You're just like, who's paying that? You can get something much better on Amazon delivered to your house. Amazon. Yeah. It's like people who haven't got a smartphone and just wandering around. I was before like, oh, this looks like a good deal, doesn't it, Brian? You know. Anyway, Jesus, Honestly, where were we? Yes. Uh the fuck knows. Genuinely no idea. <laughs> uh, right, I think we're on to shit good now. So we might do those video rounds again, because when we feel like it. So yeah, it was a laugh, wasn't it? Yeah, so while we've been on air, actually, the five Leicester players that are potentially uh, going to hold out on their contracts are Ellis Genge, George Ford, Manny Tuolagi, Greg Bateman and Kyle Eastmond, among others. Brilliant. But those are the those are the internationals. I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's getting... As if Leicester needs any more shit news tonight. <laughs> well, what will you do if all this goes wrong, lads? Go to Bezier. <laughs> Genge, I'll give Bristol a ring, mate. Think they won't fucking want me? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. That, that is the thing. Genji knows that he can walk out of there and Pat Lamb will welcome him like a son tomorrow. I'm going down Bristol, getting paid a fortune, <laughs> kick the shit out of a few statues. My fucking life will be sorted, mate. Not a problem. <laughs> 
Uh, right then, shall we do shit good? Jesus, we're we an hour and a half. Fuck me. Right, let's be quick. A lot of people are submitting for shit good. Lots and lots and lots of people have submitted for shit yes. good. Johnny Murphy's yes. mullet from Connacht. Oh, yeah. Uh, candy Honestly. floss mullet. So picture it's... Johnny Murphy, beard, side shaved, big fluffy top, fluffy mullet at the back. However, the back of the mullet is peroxided. And it's a very it's hard line across the crown. And the it's front of genuinely... It. I'm not exaggerating here. Probably the worst haircut I've ever seen. See, I'm it's, wondering... If, especially because it's intentional. Or is it, though? I'm wondering if the poor lad, on the first camp away sort of thing, when they got back together, he's had a few cans, he's fallen asleep, oh, and some teammates have lowered the back of his head into some peroxide while he sleeps. <laughs> he's woke up, I... had a shower, and he hasn't really twigged on yet that it's actually happened to him. Yeah, that's the only sort of savable, salvageable explanation, isn't it? As James Tipping said in response, he's maybe he looks exactly like Cadbury Top Deck chocolate bar. <laughs> where it was white on top and milk chocolate. We should, have we should have slotted that into our chat about the fucking county championship. We should. Jesus. Of radio rentals. Yeah, so it is, it is, as Josh says, possibly the worst haircut ever. It's truly, genuinely awful. He looks like it looks like one of those clip-on mullets that you buy as a joke, <laughs> made out of that like nylon yellow hair. With a different, yeah, it does look. His hair doesn't look like real hair anymore, which to me is probably not a great endorsement. Whoever did that dye job on him, he's also not using any of that because it's special shampoo. I think my son peroxided his hair because he was bored in lockdown, and he had to like he had to buy this. Shampoo to stop it turning like tobacco coloured. Nice, lovely. It doesn't seem like when he's got quite dark hair, my son. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's <laughs> dreadful. Let, let's <laughs> let's move on other shit. <laughs> Phil Jones gets in touch. He says, "Shit is what the hell is going on at Tigers? From the best run club in England to the shower of shit that is now potentially seeing eight to twelve players leaving." Yeah. Led by Genj. Will you join in our crusade? Who will be strong and stand with me? He says. Just love it. Honestly, I'm sure it's not fun if you're a Tigers fan, but I'm just... It genuinely makes me happy to see rugby players not just going the full sail and going, yes, okay, I'll take whatever I'm offered, please. (laughs) And going, no, fuck you. (laughs) Look, rugby, I know how many times I have to tell you, you sign the paper or you go in the sausage machine. <laughs> Can you hurry up because my next one's coming in in two minutes. <laughs> oh, One more shit we've got here. Ben Smith says, I'm not sure if you would consider this shit or good, but even as a Gloucester fan, it's weirdly reassuring that we can't even appoint a head coach without maybe shooting ourselves directly in the foot. Yes. <laughs> Shadwell Jones says, shit is Cardiff Brews triumphantly announcing that they will resume full training at Pentwin Leisure Centre. <laughs> to be fair to them, their ground is a fucking field hospital. So, yes. you know, they didn't have much choice, but it is funny that it's Pentwin Leisure Centre. I mean, Pentwin's not the best, is it? It's really not. He says a facility not too far off the standards of the setting of the sitcom The Britass Empire. <laughs> it is. Pentwin is actually very 
it's very British Empire. It is very British Empire. I mean, I have been there for a very long time. Jamie Phillips says that shit is Highlanders fullback Scott Gregory. You had an absolute mare against the Blues. He really fucking did. He was so bad. I wanted to give him a hug. But Reese not countered that with. However, having to start your fourth choice fullback in your third game back isn't ideal. And then having to sub him to use your fifth choice by the end of the game seems a little bit rough, which is absolutely right, yeah. But bless him. Do you know, do you know they have that thing where like they say like Twitter's like a massive global soap opera where every day a different person is the main character <laughs> and the, you do not want to be the main character. Like Super Rugby Aotearoa is a bit like that. Every week, one player absolutely fucking has one. And you don't want to be that guy. And this weekend, Scott Gregory was that guy. I think it's um, Aotearoa, by the way. Aotearoa, yeah, I keep saying it wrong, don't I? Do you know what? I, I don't know if I'm saying it right. I've just given it my best shot. I actually watched a fucking pronunciation video. So did I. I was in, getting so worked up about I'm so, like, fucking then, right on. I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> but then I've instantly probably just done it wrong and I've done it wrong for the last That's because we just speak lazily so anyway. We're not yeah, being right. disrespectful. We just we say all words lazily. So Yeah. Aled Price says, shit, is Aaron Smith's noises like Maruatoje, sounding like a rubbish Ric Flair all the way through that game? <laughs> Not by the end, he didn't. No, he was just like remarkably unbothered by the fact that his team had just lost a close game. But anyway, um, speaking of that game, actually, shit was the fact that somebody at Adidas signed off on the Highlanders having a teal away shirt to go with their primary dark blue shirt. It's like... Therefore, oh, yeah. me, especially when one of the other. So we've had this in regular Super Rugby. They had the fast where the Bulls had to change into their training kits at half time because they were playing in blue, and the Highlanders had turned up in their teal kit, and they looked exactly the fucking same. And then this weekend <laughs> we had the stupid situation where the Blues were had to both teams ended up wearing their change kits because the Blues wore their away kit, which is white, because neither of the Highlanders' kits would have actually clashed in any way with the shirt that they normally wear. It's just so fucking stupid. I'm still What's lo- the point in having a way shirt that's not a different colour to the fucking shirt that you've got anyway? I'm still rating the Highlanders uh, bluegrass group management gear, though. They added a uh, they added a flat cap this week. Which... One of them had a flat cap on, yeah. Yeah. Now that Mark Hammett's basically been unceremoniously told to fuck off because he's too expensive, they replaced it with a, replaced him with a man with a flat cap. It's been a bad week to be a sort of expensive assistant coach in Super Rugby because fucking Carlos Spencer's been axed by the Hurricanes as well. It's like if you're a name and you're expensive, you have been and you're not the head coach this week. You oh, that means fucked. His insta's going to be a wash with him doing backflip fucking tricks with the ball it. again. Absolutely it? into in a it. Singlet. Crap all night. Yeah. Shit, Gavin Smith says, is Edinburgh's handling of Matt Scott's contract? Yeah, it doesn't say. If you read that story, it doesn't. It, 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 yeah, they don't come out of that well. No, no, they do not. Uh, let's move on to Good, shall we? Johnny yes. says, Good is the Gloucester London Irish situation. He said, because simply you just love to see it, or at least I do, he said. Um, <laughs> Alex Reese Jones says, Good is I bought two more vests on the weekend, reassured that yes. it was acceptable after last week's pod. Well, I looked I at know. I looked at NRL singlets. I thought this is what my street this, but yeah. they're not really vests, are they? They're more they, like a sleeveless sh- sh- top. They're, they're somewhere in between, I would say. Right. They're not as plunging as vests, but they're a bit more fitted. But the shoulder than a... straps are too thick. If you know what I mean. Yeah, it it's to not too bad. Vest. 
I've got I got a Rabbitohs one, and I've just I'm, I've. I'm sorry, I, mean, I was toying with the Parramatta. I'm not going to lie, the Parramatta Eels one looked very very tempting. Yeah. I literally, while we were on air, I heard the door go, uh, which was almost <laughs> certainly my uh, Queensland State of Origin singlet turning up. So you uh, quit? Oh, you a maroon? You dirty bastard! Yeah, but uh, uh, just, the problem is the blues. Have you seen the fucking blues singlets? I haven't looks seen like it this season. Looks like somebody's on. It's like an explosion in a manga factory. It's awful. Oh, There's so right. much going on. The, they do tend to keep it real. The uh, the marine and the four yeah, X exactly. thing as well, of course. Exactly. But I, you're going to fall out with your wife, though, aren't you? If you keep uh, ordering these hideous, <laughs> yes, colourful nylon yes, vests. I absolutely am. I'm going to have to. Uh, you'd rather you'd rather you spunked on that. guitars than all these <laughs> all these vests. <laughs> At least they're confined to a room, whereas I wear the singlets around the house and <laughs> flick them on her. <laughs> she doesn't believe you're you're your best self in the singlets, does she? <laughs> whereas I, on the other hand, <laughs> absolutely convinced of it. Uh, right, uh, what is it? Colin McBride says no pos- good is no positive COVID nineteen results on the first patch of tests on the Irish provinces. That means we're inching closer to Northern Hemisphere rugby being back. Yeah, inching, inching. Test yep. was good of the day. It was done though. Just a quick reminder to everybody. Yeah. Um, Michael Kiv- Ziv Kennett says, God is World Rugby uploading the YouTube games from Rugby Women's World Cup. It means so much to my four-year-old daughter to see women play. She wants to be as fast and strong as they are cause, and before it was impossible to find free full games online. Oh, good yeah. for them, good for her, good for you, Michael. Hell yeah. Kieran Rickett says, God is Cullen Grace putting in another yes. massive shift for the Crusaders on the blind side. He's like Dan Lydiot for the TikTok generation, isn't he? <laughs> he just tackles. Now that tackles, is a strap line. He should, he should be on LinkedIn tomorrow with that as his fucking bio. <laughs> Actually, Dan Lydiot is the Dan Lydiot for the TikTok generation. <laughs> He's still have there. you seen Dan Lydiot's TikToks? <laughs> no, I, I have to be honest. I downloaded TikTok. I looked at it for two minutes and I was like, you know what? 100%. 100%. I was like, and everyone's going, look how funny this is. Like, that is something that the two Ronnies would have rejected in 1982. <laughs> that is such a lame attempt at a comedy sketch. However, Dan Lydia posts quite a lot of his TikToks, uh, TikToks on Instagram, and uh, he's quite a mover. That's all I'm going to say. Dancy wise. He's quite, yeah, yeah, he's quite the mover. Unexpectedly so for a man so lacking in flair on the rugby pitch. And how many times do you have to see that video of a woman saying somebody wanted to show me me boobs for a glass of wine, a bottle of wine, and then she points to the bottle of wine, and that's the joke? It's like I've seen about five hundred of these. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I've repeated I jokes. I'm sure I've repeated my own jokes oh, plenty yeah. of times. But oh yeah. I mean, God knows how many times I've repeated uh, jokes over this podcast in the last five years. But... I've reached that point now. We're five years in. I'm like, I've got quite no anecdotes left. I mean, they weren't that good oh, no. to start with, and now I'm, I'm really yeah, down in the depths like, now. And I must be telling ones I told three un- years ago. I must be. Especially given that I've basically done nothing for the last three and a half months. My fucking <laughs> my cupboard is bare, anecdote-wise. We need to get Bubbins back on, because his is never yeah, bare. Yeah, we do. That's very true. But he's too busy being a super megastar now, it would seem. That is so. very true. That is true. Still a lovely man. Um, Indeed. Tom says, good is Bowden Barrett's kicking stats last game. Showed 40% of the time he used his weaker pin. You'd think for a man who's quite so flaky on goal kicking front, you wouldn't want to fucking I'm assuming he's, with that. He's kicking, is that kicking from hand as well? Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. But isn't that that a bit like saying that Tyson's left hand was a bit weaker? 
Yeah, it's not like either <laughs> of them are shit. It's not like it's not like me and you in a singlet attempted to punch somebody, is it? <laughs> Finally, Anna says, "Good." She says, "I'm very happy that Corey Hill is coming back to Cardiff." I didn't yeah. know that until you've just told me. Yeah. That is a. Oh yeah, yeah. He also those things that have been going on for so long that every every I just assumed everyone knew. And then she also says, "Good is Glinner getting banned off from Twitter." That's Graham Linehan, isn't it? Getting banned from Twitter oh. for being a transphobe and only to go on Mum's Net to moan about it and getting told to fuck off there for invading their space as women. <laughs> Perfection. <laughs> I don't I don't get involved in that trans stuff mainly because not because I don't care mainly because I, I take quite a simplistic view that trans women are women and trans lads are lads. And I've got no other. I've got nothing else to say or hear about yeah. it, really. So I don't. Like, I don't wade into this shit storm that that keeps being yeah. created. I don't, I don't seem to. Yeah, I don't feel the need to get involved in that debate. It <laughs> no. seems quite clear cut to me. It seems. Yeah, you know, of yeah. all the things there is that you get to get worried about, that's not one of them. I don't think. No. Anyway. Yeah. I tell you, if you do want to laugh, um, if you want to have a laugh at a proper uh, the explosion of awfulness. And, and ridiculousness. Have a look at um, the West Indies have said they're going to wear Black Lives Matter armbands when they play England in the cricket. The comments on that, by the way, you find yourself down a very, very dark hole. I was about four layers deep. And, you know, you click into friends of right-wing people of friends and you keep going to the point at which you're like, oh, my God, these people it's, walk uh, among us. It's, <laughs> it's really quite terrifying it's very it? important you understand though that in no way are they racist they're very keen to point that out absolutely not racist no it's just they just they just can't stand any situation <laughs> where black people express themselves in any way that they don't agree with <laughs> but not racist no they can't because they very clearly point that out regularly mm. and on that one go and read that and have a laugh or not get depressed, really, I did. Just get really it starts angry, off being, you're like, oh, fucking hell. Oh, oh, God, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, oh, oh. That's how, that's how it goes. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you very much, everybody. Indeed. That was an epic. We'll speak to you all soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Pick up your phone while driving, and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit, and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.